everybody. Uh, welcome to the live stream tonight. It's not technically live because uh, I'm in Washington, D.C., and uh, we've got a lot to do tonight. Actually, Vice President Pence is going to be speaking at the CNP. So I went into this vast audience of folks that are the who's who in, uh, in Christendom at this Council for National Policy, and I found uh, the diamond, not necessarily in the rough because it's a whole room full of diamonds, but I brought Dr. Simone Gold, who has been instrumental in uh, this fight as frontline doctors to expose the lies and the deception of what our governor and other governors and other states are doing. And here we're facing in California, where they're now saying no more than three family, uh, three families in a house for Thanksgiving. I mean, he's just out of control. And uh, we're even looking in our own county where uh, they're going to want to move it in this really weird color spectrum that the governor has done after he took away the six boxes or whatever it was. It's just crazy. But Simone, you you have been on the front line contending for the realization that this virus doesn't merit what we're doing to our country. Is that fair enough assessment? Right. You know, before I started speaking about this publicly, I was a board, I mean, I continue to be a board certified emergency physician and I'm working on the front lines, taking care of COVID patients, taking care of you know, any kind of situation that might come into the emergency department. So I've been watching this really since before it came to America. And I've been increasingly dismayed at the government over response to what is essentially, you know, a typical kind of viral epidemic situation. You know, viruses have existed, coexisted with humans for all of human history. Yeah. And we, it is us, the humans, the politicians who are reacting abnormally, not yeah. the virus. Yeah. What was the line today that uh, Pastor Steve said about the the virus COVID? Uh, what, do you remember it? Do you remember the line? Exposed the, to COVID or exposed by COVID. Okay. Yeah. It, so, Micah, you can edit this, but uh, Pastor Steve said exposed to COVID or exposed by COVID. So COVID is really exposing uh, just the, this tyrannical authority of these governments because you understand the severity of the virus. Early on, we were getting data from you and Dan Erickson and yeah. so many other wonderful doctors and looking at it in this idea that uh, it, 65 and older, core morbidities, and I think it's average now, 2.8 core morbidities per uh, right. victim of COVID. Right. You know, there's People forget that I'm a lawyer as well as a physician. So oh, I, I, you are smart. <laughs> so I, I watch this with just in, just horror because we have a medical issue, but there's been a legal crisis. In terms of the medical issue, SARS-CoV-2 is not a particularly unique or particularly deadly virus. Yeah. Um, for example, five years ago we had uh, H uh, H1. I might be getting that one wrong. Five years ago we had a virus, but about 15 years ago we had SARS-CoV-1. SARS-CoV-1 is 78% similar to SARS-CoV-2, which is the COVID-19. What we've learned over the last 11 or 12 months, because it started in China 11 months ago, is that unless you've got serious underlying health problems, specifically obesity, diabetes, or severe heart, lung, or kidney disease, you're really going to do just fine. You'll either be completely asymptomatic, mildly symptomatic, or completely recover from this. So while I did see COVID-19 patients who did badly in the emergency room and in the hospital, they all had serious medical problems. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is that this is not something that the average person needs to live in fear. I have many, in fact, the vast majority of patients who come down with SARS-CoV-2 really do just fine. And the, so that's the doctor part of me. 
the lawyer part of me is watching with horror as governors are taking rights that they don't have. They don't yeah. have authority. The rights that we have to freedom, to free assemble, freedom of religion, it's not given to us by the governor. It's yeah. given to us by God. And if you don't believe in God, it's given to you just by virtue of being a human. Yeah, because so God gave it to you even though you don't recognize so, him. Well, yeah. I do, but it just yeah. means you don't. And by the way, Not by, governors. by the way, if you think this is uh, teaming up, you know, evangelicals uh, with conspiracy, uh, Dr. Simone, you're Jewish, I'm and, Jewish and I'm an evangelical Christian. And we're both in agreement that this governor is out of line and other governors that are, you know, doing this tyrannical rule over a virus that doesn't merit it. I, I just want to say that, you know, when times are confusing like it is right now, it does help to take the long view. So if you look back to when our Constitution was written in our Bill of Rights, our founding fathers clearly knew about epidemics. There was, of course, there was swine, I'm sorry. There smallpox. Was smallpox. There was dengue fever. There was yellow fever. There was also something called the... 13 colonies influenza epidemic of the 1730s. That's the real name of, of that situation. Our founding fathers well knew that epidemics are an excellent way for governments to seize too much power. That's actually why they wrote the Bill of Rights in, to prevent this extra seizing of power. Yeah. And the reason I'm so concerned about what's going on is governments always tend to take too much power. They do it in times of war, let's say time of hurricane or natural disaster, but epidemics are actually riskier to the population because they're silent, they're stealth. They also make people feel very helpless and people very dependent upon experts. It's for those reasons exactly that we have a Bill of Rights. Yeah. Now, uh, do we want to touch on a few of these things uh, like masks? Yes. Um, share with everybody what you, you understand about masks. Yes. Because I, I, I can't fly to D.C. without a mask. Right. Um, you know, I, there's two places that I will wear, wear masks. One is when I'm in court, and the other is when I'm flying. Other than that, uh, good luck. I mean, I, I just, yeah. Right, so the, I didn't speak about masks publicly so much for a long time because I recognized that this was an emotional problem for people, not really a scientific problem. Let's just start with the science. So a surgical mask, the pore size, is 20 to 100 microns. The virus is 0.1 microns. I'll do the math for you. It's 200 to 1,000 times smaller than the pore in a mask. And so it's like so from a, a chain link fence trying yeah, to stop I, air. So yeah. I give you an example. You throw sand at a chain link fence. Do you expect the chain link fence to stop the sand? Of course not. Now, for those of you who said, well, but it stops the respiratory droplets, it's true that if you have COVID-19 and you are you know, coughing out and there's respiratory droplets and there's COVID virus on it, it will stop those, but it won't stop all of the other COVID coming out of you. So the point is that the masks are wholly irrelevant. The problem is, is that the facts don't seem to matter in such a situation. People feel like they can do something, so they put a mask Correct. on. Correct, they feel, and it was very clever marketing to change from saying you should wear a mask to protect yourself, if you remember back that far six months ago or four months ago, to you wear a mask to protect me and I wear a mask to protect you. That was very clever marketing because it's it's led to mask shaming and mask yeah. virtue signaling. But this is a very dangerous path and it's actually a socialist path. Yeah, I mean, I was I was getting on the elevator and, and that uh, uh, I, I was on the elevator, the elevator opened up, there was a woman there and she's wearing a mask. She says, where's your mask? I said, uh, I'm not wearing one. And she said, but but you have to. And I said, no, I don't. She says, the hotel rule. I said, well, they're welcome to remove me. Right. I said, does your mask not work? She didn't like <coughs> that. So, yeah. One of the problems with masks is the social divisiveness that it's causing. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <coughs> we can edit that. It's just a little COVID cough. It's not a big deal. 
<laughs> yeah, they'll edit it out. One of the problems with the mask is that it's very socially divisive and it's empowering citizen policing. And this is a very dangerous path and people need to really think if they want to It's what to we call police. COVID Karens. <laughs> I feel bad for anyone named Karen, yeah, by well, the way. My bad. But um, yeah, you know, do you really want to live in a world where the flight attendant has power over you and you know, the person sitting next to you has power over you. That's not the society that, that our founding fathers intended. And it's almost like conditioning now, too, because you're going to get to a place where you can't go to a concert unless you've been vaccinated. You won't be able to do... It's almost like they're going to label you. Right. That's getting kind of dicey here. Right. It's a so scary. One of the things that epidemics do when the executive branch takes too much power is it's allowing you to marginalize certain groups of people. You can marginalize them by saying, oh, this is COVID positive or this is COVID negative. Really, it's a very short road from there to marginalizing for other reasons we're keeping you safe yeah that's, but it's it, that separation of people is very very dangerous it's understand. divide and conquer well and and that's why you can see uh Mayor de blasio uh cuomo they're they're targeting so heavily the orthodox community in new york city uh and and it's just it's unprecedented it's it's awful so okay so we have we have the mask issue you kind of address that throwing sand at a at a chain link fence um, but then let's also take a look at social distancing because is that another one that you yeah. want to touch on? May I just say one more thing about Please? the mask? Please, yeah, of course. Because this is a fun one. I like to give people examples that they can really hold on to. So a little experiment you can do for yourself, you know, at home when you're out and about, when you force to carry the mask. So put the mask on and then walk right by somebody smoking a cigarette. Can you smell the cigarette smoke? Of course the answer is yes. The size of the particle of the cigarette smoke is much larger than the micron, the 0.1 micron size of a virus. And, and I just want people to hang on to that. So if they walk into Costco and they're being told to put this on, just feel empowered yourself. Yeah, I have, an, a, I have a medical um, a, a exemption for masks and, and they ask me what it is and it's, it's, I, I like to breathe. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's a great illustration. That's a perfect way for folks to understand this. Now let's, let's go further with the social distancing. So I like to say that, you know, if it was so easy to stop viruses, our grandparents and our grandparents' grandparents would have figured this out years ago. You know, we didn't just land on planet Earth in 21st century and just discover all these things. Yeah. You know, when we were growing up and even, you know, as recently as, let's say, last year, yeah. we didn't know how to stop a cold, right? You know, you went out, you got a cold, it happened. We, we, we really couldn't trace it back. It's a little bit like that. The social distancing kind of makes sense in the sense that if someone's sick, maybe you don't want to get too close. Sure. It's no more or less than that. Yeah. And they've made it into a religion. Yeah. And, and it's distancing human beings. But, but let's go further with it. How do, you, how do you build up an immunity to a virus? What is exposure to a virus? Is it helpful to be exposed to this virus? We know that with children, the viral load is less. We, we know that uh, there's, there's a thing called herd immunity. And can, can you touch on any of that? Because... Maybe the, the, the distancing and the mass are limiting our ability to become, you know. The, the short answer is you really, we really should be living life as we've always lived life. But for just a moment on herd immunity, because it's been, it's been understood and then misunderstood and just been kind of used as a political football. So herd immunity is simply what happens when a group of people have, you know, enough people have reached, um, have gotten the thing. Yeah. You don't get it. So you reach herd immunity eventually no matter what you do, right? It's just a matter of when. So we heard early on that, you know, the magic number is like 70% of herd immunity, but it turns out all over the world that when a community reached almost 20%, then the COVID-19 deaths went down. And this has been true all over the world, yeah. which means there's another factor going on. So if we took any city in America where, you know, COVID has been, you know, take like New York City, for example, 
when they started hitting 20% in the blood test and the antibody test, right. the numbers of deaths started dropping. So there's something else going on. We think that something else is probably T-cell immunity. Okay. Children have tremendously strong T-cell systems. It gets less robust as you age. There's clearly something else going on. I, you know, listen, I, I, we'll see what happens if I'm a, if I'm a, a fortune teller, but you know, I think the pandemic's over. Yeah. I think it's been over for a long time. Well, we're seeing people that are testing positive for the case, but we're seeing death rates dropping and yes. hospitalizations so dropping. That's a huge, that's a huge point. So I call this, or my peers, we call this a case-demic. We're not really in the middle of an epidemic or a pandemic anymore. We're in the middle of a case-demic. What does that mean? There's a lot of people out there that have a positive test result on a slip of paper. That really has nothing to do with if they're ill or not, right? We yeah. should be reacting to a slip of paper. Well, and, and a number of folks who contract COVID didn't even know they had it. Like it, it, I've heard up to upwards of 85% of people don't even know they had it. Right, when they go back, that's what it is. When they go back into community and they check the antibody levels, they then go back and query the people they don't even remember being sick. That's clearly a lot of people. I've also seen that a lot as a physician. I have a family of four. It's very common for one adult and one child to be positive, the other two not to be positive, two to be sick and the other not to be sick. It happens all the time. Well, and, and here we are in what's going to prove to be one of the most contentious elections in our nation's history, uh, where you have states that had tyrannical, draconian lockdown measures justifying vote by mail, which has created this mess. And now to take their, it almost seems as though this is orchestrated, take our mind off of the, the mess of the vote by mail and all of what we're dealing with in the press is, you know, complicit. Now these governors are doubling down on the lockdown measures. Right. Would you like to take a break and do 15 minutes and 15 minutes? Uh, I can cut Great. it in okay. segments. Great. So um, I'm glad you asked that question about lockdowns. You know, lockdowns, um, this is a really big problem. Now, again, starting with the science, lockdowns simply don't work. We already know that. How do we know that? You can use Europe as an example. Yeah. Most of Europe locked down. Of course, it's well known that Sweden did not lock down. The Sweden numbers were around in the 500s per million death rate. Most of Europe was much higher. For example, Belgium is like 1,100 right. per million. Italy, I think, was in the 700s per million. I might be a little wrong on that. America's around 600s per million. The point is, is that Sweden did not do worse with the lockdowns. What's so interesting, though, now that the second wave is here and they're locking down again, Sweden is again not locking down, you would think that their numbers would be kind of what they were last time, like a little better than the rest of Europe, but around there. No, it turns out that they're much, much, much lower. That implies that it's been through the Swedish communities already yeah, at zero. It's passed. Meaning you've got to just get through this as a human you gotta deal with it. species. And, and what we don't discuss is a psychological, yes. economic, all of, all of the ramifications I mean, businesses are just imploding in California. What, so, what we're doing to our state is unconscionable. Right. So people don't really know that the way I really got started on this more this advocacy journey was I wrote a letter to the president calling the lockdowns a mass casualty incident because we're not taking note of the downstream effects of a lockdown. It's very easy to just shut a business. A politician doesn't have any bravery to him. That's very easy to do. What are all the downstream effects of the lockdown? Well, they're numerous. There's the obvious short, you know, ones that are super obvious, like increased rate of alcoholism, increased in liquor sales, and as you know, marijuana sales. There's also- Wait, 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 wait. As I know, increasing, I didn't, I was, I'm not using marijuana. No, I'm just kidding. You were talking. 
There was delayed cancer screenings to the tune of yeah. 150,000 a month. There were missed heart attacks and missed strokes. We're talking about 50%. They did database comparison from the year prior. There's the child abuse and the spousal abuse. All of this that's going missing. And these are not being counted. I, I could tell you many stories of what happened from people delaying care yeah. because of the lockdowns. And of course, the, the riskiest thing to your health is being poor. Yeah. Poverty is, is a, a number one driver of, of unhealthful, uh, uh, an unhealthy society. Yeah. yeah, that's... Okay, so Simone, with with what we're dealing with and, and looking at these state governments going, you know, going even full bore, going into Thanksgiving, they're telling us, you know, you, you can't have more than three families gathered in a, but you can have 50 people to funeral. And I love the old adage that uh, my pet turkey died. Yes. We're going to have a funeral <laughs> for my pet turkey. Uh, should, should folks feel guilty having their family together? Right. It's, so, are, it's just, I mean, I, I know you're an attorney. I know you're a, 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 a medical physician. But you're also a citizen of the United States of America with inalienable rights. As a citizen, does this does this concern you to the point where you're going to push back? Let's you, you talk about like... government's role. The government, to the extent it has any role, it was to not allow our healthcare system to be overwhelmed. That's really the only government interest in the situation. Once you put that aside, the government really doesn't have a role. Then we could talk as a doctor and a patient. What, what should I do in my particular situation? Am I at risk? You know, we can talk about that. But there's no actual government role other than protecting the welfare of all of us, which would be not to overwhelm the healthcare system. So there is absolutely no role for the governor to tell us what to do on Thanksgiving. As a practical matter, if you are not so much even advanced age, because we use that because it's such an easy thing to say, but it really is more about the comorbid conditions. Yeah. So if, if you are definitely at risk you know again obesity and, and high glucose being really the most important and then a few other things you should strongly consider prophylaxis what i don't want to see happening is grandma and grandpa being excluded yet again from seeing their family if you're in that situation and you're worried and you're scared you should strongly consider being on prophylactic medication so that you can live your happy joyful life like like hcq and yeah yeah and, and tragically, in California, you try to try to get hydroxychloroquine. Good luck. Yeah. Except you haven't been to my website. Oh, this is so true. So americasfrontlinedoctors.com solves that problem for you. I think everyone should have hydroxychloroquine in their medicine cabinet. So you can go on it. Do I need hydroxychloroquine? Big red button. Yeah. We found a telemedicine company that will see you no matter where you live in the whole country. That's great. And they will mail you the hydroxychloroquine. And I urge you to get it ahead of time so you have it if you need yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for doing yeah. that. Um, now, this is the first chance because I've, I've been tracking you and following you, and, and we got connected through Dan Erickson, and here we are at the CNP. Uh, and by your admission, you're Jewish. I'm, I'm an evangelical Christian, and you heard me speak. How, how does that minister to you as a frontline doctor, dealing with the fact that you've you've lost your employment in a sense because you've been bold to stand out for the truth, and you're wondering where where's the clergy in all this? I, I just right. so, what are your thoughts on all that? So I'm super distressed over the lack of clergy involvement on this issue. I can't believe, as a scientist and medical physician, that we're even in this situation because SARS-CoV-2 does not warrant it. No. But everybody seems to be ignoring the facts. So the only thing left really is our constitution, and first in the constitution is freedom of religion. 
So it was very natural to me to hope that the pastors and the rabbis would stand up because it's clear that we're in the right in this. And I know that we're going to win in the courts, but the courts take time. So I've been very distressed at how few, I will start with rabbis, how few rabbis have stood up and how few, you know, and not enough pastors have stood up. Yeah. You, by the way, I've heard of you as well for several months and I am inspired by you and it makes me and I'm inspired by you. It makes me feel better to know that people like you are refusing to comply with clearly unconstitutional mandates. So you, you have a pastor, you have a lawyer, a doctor, a pastor, lawyer, doctor. Yes, yeah, like a lot of education, me, not so much. But <laughs> a lot of wisdom. Okay, all right. That, that just comes with living long, 56 years, I guess. But I wanted to say this. You, you've, you've heard the critical necessity that we have to push back. We're coming into the Thanksgiving season. You, you, our governor is telling us no. We're, we're still watching our churches get locked down. Most of the churches that have been going on the internet uh, with live stream, and they, they were trying to meet outside following the governor's order. It's raining, it's cold, it's ridiculous. There's, there's, there's no metric even possible to fulfill what the governor's saying. It's an impossible set of metrics. So when is enough enough? And are we going to watch our frontline doctors become dismissed and the, the cancel culture relegate truth to the back of the bus while they push forward a narrative to destroy a country that stands for liberty? And I would say to all of the clergy, whether you're Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, all of our clergy, it's time to stand up for truth, that, that this is a scam and it has to end because it's adversely affecting the community we've been called to serve. We've been saying this for a long time. And at this point, everyone knows the data. You can go on vcemergency.com, bypass the, the, the silly color coding, but go to the death rate, hospitalization, ventilators. No hospitals are being overwhelmed right now in Ventura County, none. I'll tell you what's being overwhelmed are the businesses that are being destroyed and everyone's losing their life savings. That's being, that's overwhelming. Families are in distress emotionally, spiritually. That is a great concern, but we don't talk about that. When are we going to talk about that? So folks, I know we've got a contentious election. This is a, this is a virus that doesn't merit what our government leaders are doing to us. And we're being played like a fiddle. And I want to say thank you to you because it's come at great cost. Our, our founders pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. You stood in front of America. You got censored within hours. And you, you lost your position. Right. Um, so this is about a fight for freedom for America. And I just thought that the doctors were so intimately aware of the disinformation that we really had an ethical obligation to share that information. And I think as you go forward, whoever's listening to this, you don't only have to take it on faith. Faith should be the most paramount reason you speak up and speak up for individual human rights. But you can also be comforted in knowing that the facts support you. Any facts that you want to know can be found on americasfrontlinedoctors.com because we have information there about masks, early treatment, how it affects children, how it affects older people. So you can go forward with knowledge. And the reason I think that knowledge is important is it's uncomfortable for people who are Christian and godly to maybe confront other people. Yeah. But if you go forward knowing that you're being lied to for political or other agenda, 
it's easier to stand up for your rights. And that's really, so I'm really here to back you up wow. so that you go forward with in faith, but you can also have the knowledge. That's right. And, and zeal without knowledge is foolishness. So we do have knowledge and, and now we need the zeal and that's unstoppable. And so Simone, please again, share with everyone because th they're going to need to go to your website. America's it's America's frontline doctors.com. And I did, we did everything in our power to take you out of the hands of being whims of the government. Yeah. So for example, many States restrict hydroxychloroquine, which is absolutely life-saving so you can purchase it not from me but from a different telemedicine company but you can find it on the site there's also a lot of references and information americasfrontlinedoctors.com so you can get the prophylaxic uh hcq you can you you can get answers to your questions you can find out about masks you can find out about social distancing you can find out about the real data in regards to this virus all of that has been done at a great expense and so not only would I want you to go to that website and check it out, but support America's frontline doctors. They have put everything on the line. Our founders pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And here we are contending for the future of a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And fascinatingly enough, this is November. This is a celebration of the Gettysburg Address where Lincoln said to a world that was embracing this, or there was a battle for the freedom of, of mankind and 2% of America's population would die on the, on the field of battle in the Civil War because segments of the population would declare another human being less than human because of the content of melanin. And we went and we fought for that and the bodies were piling up. 2% of America's population, 650,000 soldiers died. 7,000 died in Cold Harbor, in the Battle of Cold Harbor in less than 20 minutes. And as as Lincoln is dedicating this cemetery in Gettysburg in November of 1863, they didn't even want him to speak because they didn't want him to have a second term of office. The South had invaded Pennsylvania. It wasn't until Sherman got down to the Battle of Atlanta that turned the tide of the war and got Lincoln a second term of office. So you got Pennsylvania, Georgia. <laughs> I don't know if you're tracking me on this. But he said that will this nation perish from the face of the earth? This is a new birth of freedom. Every, every now and then we have to go back and dust off the documents and have a new birth of freedom where we start to realize our birthright. America is an idea and it will only survive if it's replicated in the hearts of all men and women of this nation. And so folks, it's time to awaken to the great gift you've been given in this constitutional republic. It's time to stand against tyranny and shut this mess down and let's be brave. And so I'm standing, I'm sitting next to someone who stands tall in this nation in regards to bravery. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold has put it all on the line. And honestly, she's, she's saying thank you to me. You have been a hero to me and so many others who've tuned in. I know it's come at great cost, but I want you to know how much it's meant to all of us. And we stand with you. And we're going to be friends for life. And there's nothing you can do about that. I think so. Amen. <laughs> so, folks, what a wonderful gift we've had tonight to meet this amazing woman. And she's given you great resources to look into. And it's time that we start exercising our liberty. Because like muscles, if you don't exercise them, you lose them. Okay, folks. Well, that'll do it. Uh, Mike is going to read the blessing to you tonight out of Numbers. And this is pre-recorded, so I'm going to have to trust him on that. So God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you.